Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. What's that smell? That's what I want to talk about this morning. <laughs> What's that smell? My kids saw the title of that message, and they're like, you're not going to talk about something that stinks, are you? No, we're not going to talk about bad smells. But it got me thinking, there are kind of two things that, well, when you experience them, you have all kinds of memories that flood, flood back into you. They, like, they take you to a place. One of those is music. So my son Jai has got this playlist now. I don't know where he got his playlist from on Spotify, but he now gets to be the DJ in the minivan wherever we're going because he has got the best playlist. It's all stuff from like anything from the 60s to like 99 is what he's got on his playlist, and it's so cool. I remember the movie uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Anybody ever see that when it came out? Yeah, the best thing about that movie was the soundtrack. It was so good. What made the sound? And I remember hearing the, the, the developers of the movie. He said, all we did was go back and look at the number one song every year for like 20 years, and that's what made it into the movie. I was like, well, that's why they all sound so familiar. It's because at some point in time, they were the number one song. It's something about music that you ever hear a song and it takes you back to a place? Like for some reason, Jai's got on his playlist, uh, Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. And I'm like, I, Jai, you are playing like the soundtrack of my sophomore year of high school right here. This is just amazing. But the other thing that can really take you back is smells. Have you ever noticed that? That everybody remembers what their parents house smells like or what their their grandmother's house smells like i know that for me being born in june uh the the smell of june is gardenias so my my parents house they have gardenias around their house and my mom would always say that those gardenias always remind them of me because that's when i was born was in june and so um it's my flower it's my birthday flower but it's funny how that smell can suddenly remind her of me coming into the world which is the greatest blessing she's ever had in case you're wondering (laughs) but the smells take you back to a place maybe if you're from a foreign land I remember I got off the airplane in Seoul Korea several years ago when I was traveling there and the entire country smells like kimchi anybody like kimchi (laughs) luckily I love kimchi but I remember thinking I got off the plane and thought what is that smell because it's a very unique smell and I thought maybe it was just the airport and then you get out of the airport and you realize, oh, it's, it's actually everywhere. And where I'm getting off the airplane and thinking, what is that smell? I watch the other Koreans get off the airplane and just go, ah. And I realize it's the same thing I used to do when I'd get off the airplane in Norfolk, flying home from Europe or Australia, wherever I was at the time, after spending time overseas. And I'd get off that plane in like June and go, humidity, ah. But I loved it. Australia is such a dry, barren land. It's so nice to smell the humidity of Virginia Beach. It has a smell, doesn't it? I remember driving across the bridge when I was in at college at JMU, and I'd be driving across the, uh, the not the Bay Bridge Tunnel, what am I trying to say, the HRBT, and you smell the salt air for the first time. And you're like, hey, the mountains are great. I love the mountains, but oh, there's nothing like the smell of that salt air. It's funny how smell can take you back to a place. 
I will forever just know the smell of my dad's garage. I spent so much time there as a kid tinkering with stuff and riding skateboards. It's just got a smell to it. It's like plywood and gasoline and uh, paint that's been in there too long and grass clippings. And it just, it's just the most wonderful smell everywhere, anywhere. There's nothing like the smell of home. I don't know if you realize this, but Jesus actually had a home as well. I don't mean Bethlehem where he was born, because he left there at the age of about 30. And interesting, interestingly, Jesus didn't actually make Jerusalem his home, the place where he hung out. It was a little town about two miles outside of Jerusalem called Bethany. And if you look at most of the time that Jesus just kind of hung out, like you know how you, you leave work, you leave uh, an event, or you leave church and you go home, and you, you want that place where you just kind of like, ah, you're hanging out. It feels like home. For Jesus, it was this town called Bethany, but a specific house in this town that was owned by a man named Simon. I thought it was interesting that Jesus didn't really consider Jerusalem his home, though he knew it was the place where he was going to die. Jerusalem was the political center. It was the religious center. It was the cultural center. But he goes, yeah, that's not necessarily the place that I'm going to consider my home. But it was something about this place in Bethany. See, Bethany was the place where Jesus was anointed. It's where he was worshipped. It's where he gathered with the family. You know, the Mount of Olives where he taught from, that was in Bethany. It's where he ascended to heaven from was Bethany. Jesus did not ascend to heaven from the temple. He ascended from the Mount of Olives in Bethany. And the Bible tells us it's the same place where he's going to come back again. What is it about this place? Why did Jesus choose this small little town? And in John chapter 12, and I'm going to read a little bit of Bible to you if that's okay. I'm going to read you some of the passages that explain what this place was like. The Bible says here, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Oh, okay, Lazarus lived there, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled, was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. I'm sorry to laugh at that, but there's something funny about being raised from the dead, and instantly there's a group of people that want to kill you. I mean... 
if you ever think, I wonder if I'm on the right side of things, if you're trying to kill a guy that just got raised from the dead, you're probably not on the right side of things in general. So I'm reading to you from John chapter 12. This story is also told in Mark chapter 14. And as there are sometimes in the gospel, you've got to look at all of the gospels to kind of get a full picture of what's happening in this place because you have bits and pieces. Not because one story is right and one's wrong. They're just being told from the perspective of different people. How many of you know if you and I witness the same event, you may witness some things that I missed and you may witness some things that I missed. And sometimes you put those stories together to get a, a full picture of that. So Mark chapter 14 refers to this house as the house of Simon the leper. Simon the leper was actually a Pharisee. Now, if you're known as Simon the leper, back then leprosy, you don't get to hang out with people if you have leprosy. So if they are at the house of Simon the leper, what's probably happened to Simon? He's probably gotten healed. Would that be safe to say that? They're not hanging out at the house of the guy that's got Ebola. They're not hanging out at the COVID house. They're not hanging out at the house of a leper. Simon's likely been healed. But why does he have the name Simon the leper? You think if you're Simon, you're like, can I get a new nickname like Simon the healed? Do I have to be known by my former life? But they are at this house of Simon the leper. So here's at this house, based upon these two stories. You got Simon the leper, Mary the sinner, Martha, the busybody, Lazarus, the former dead guy. You've got the happy-to-be-here disciples. You ever notice that? The disciples aren't really doing anything in this story. You know how you interview somebody, and you're like, what's it like? And you're just like, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> like some big victory, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. In other words, I don't, have, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. I'm just kind of happy to be here, not contributing. I'm just here eating Simon's food checking out the miracles. This is so cool. Like nothing, the disciples aren't doing miracles at this stage. They're not out healing people. They're not being filled with the Holy Spirit. They're just like, I don't know what's about to happen, but I'm just really happy to be here. That's the disciples. This is a picture of what church family really is. I love the scene of Simon the leper's house at the people that are just gathered around the table and this is the place that Jesus chooses to make his home. This is not a family of birth. This is a family of choice. The only thing that these people had in common is Jesus. They've had an encounter with Jesus and they've been changed. That's what's brought them together. And because of the change that Jesus has made with them, they have made the decision to not just be around him, but to follow him. These are disciples of Jesus. When we receive Jesus, our house becomes his home. Our heart becomes his heart. And our family of choice becomes our family of birth because we've been born again. So I have a family of birth. I have a family I was born into, but this is my family of choice. But it's not just that I'm choosing to join an organization or to attend a service. You have become my family of birth, when you've been born again like I have, because God becomes our father. We got the same dad. Something about this place that's so beautiful. I love it. And the fact is, this home in Bethany, 
is the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 61 that Jesus quotes later as recorded in the book of Luke. When Jesus said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to, the com- to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He sent me to all those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks. There are great oaks in this place that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. Who are those that are going to restore cities, that are going to renew cities? Who are those that will return to the places long devastated? It is the brokenhearted. It's the persecuted. It's those who have been captive, those who have been made prisoners. Those are the ones that when they encounter Jesus, they renew cities. I love that Jesus didn't come down and go, let me find the best communicators we've got in all of Israel. Let me find the most popular people we can. Let me find the influencers of the day. Jesus didn't come to Jerusalem and find the most Instagram person with the most Instagram followers. Jesus just went, I want to find captives. I want to find prisoners. I want to find the brokenhearted. And I want to set them free. Because that's who I choose as my family. And that's who I choose to restore and to renew cities. It's in this place where your weakness becomes His strength. God chooses broken people to repair broken cities. Is anybody encouraged by that? The prerequisite for you to become a city builder is to be broken. Man, I can do that really, really well. Because He takes the pieces And he puts them back together. He puts you back together. Here in this place, a leper, a busybody, a sinner. Who knows what that word means? A guy who betrayed Jesus. And yet here they are, reclining at the table. A guy who was dead. You don't get any more broken than that. Why did Jesus choose this place? What was it about this place that made it so attractive, so curious to outsiders? There are all those who had come, not just to see Jesus, but to see Lazarus. There's something about this place that created an attractiveness to the world. There's something about this place that made people go, I don't know what they've got. I don't know what they're on, but I don't have it. And I'm going to find out what this is. Just last week, we had our Sunday night house church down on the beach, and we did a baptism. And I saw that there was a couple that, as, we were, as, as they were leaving um, with this family, do you ever see people at the beach, they, they like make the decision to leave, but you can see them kind of checking you out. And you can almost hear the conversation in their head, I'm going to say something, no, we're going to go. 
I'm going to say, no, I'm going to go. And you can see it. And finally, this guy walks over to us, and I'm like, oh, sweet. And he goes, hey, can I? I just noticed you guys did a baptism. And what, what's, what was that all about? I was like, oh, we're, we're a church. And, you know, we're all just kind of gathered around, sitting around. And, and uh, one thing led to another. A, a ridiculous amount of connections with this family of people that he knew and people that we knew. He had met with Paul because he's got a heart for Turkey. And so we're just like, he certainly said, Turkey, this is what I love. Everybody that was there was like, oh, you know what I mean? And so it wasn't like, this is what I love about our church. Everyone doesn't defer to Romy and I. So when they come over, they're like, well, let me introduce you to the pastor and they'll have the conversation with you. And pastor, 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 pastor. They're just like, yeah, tell us about your family. We'd love to know more about you. And this is who we are. And so I had coffee with this guy this week because he wanted to meet. And he's sitting there describing this moment. He said, you know, we walked past you guys before you had even done the baptisms. Do you remember that? We were, it took us a while to do baptisms because I was waiting for you all to show up. Um, I'm smiling, but it's true. So we were waiting. To, <laughs> you could come at any time to these. It's good. Um, but I remember there was a while we were just sitting around and just doing what we do, right? He said, we walked past you guys. And he says, it wasn't anything that I observed, because we hadn't had the baptism yet. We didn't have a sign that said Seashore Church. Maybe we should. Maybe that's why you weren't there. You were either looking for parking or <laughs> looking for a sign. He said, I walked past. And I love this term. He says, you reeked of Jesus. You reeked of Jesus. And he goes, I'm almost in tears saying this. I said, I'm in tears listening to this. He goes, I just sat there with my family and I just kept, and then you did the baptism and I was like, oh, that's why. He said, you reeked of him. It's that moment when he walks past and he's just like, what's that smell? I know that smell. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says, But thanks to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumph, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. That means that wherever you go, you are bringing the fragrance of Him everywhere. That word knowledge doesn't mean head knowledge. It means experiential knowledge. It's the epignosis. It means I know Jesus. I don't know about him. I know him. So when I am in relationship with Jesus, everywhere I go, I bring the fragrance of that relationship where I am. So when people walk past us on the beach, they go, something reeks. What's that smell? You reek of Jesus. I love that. The Passion Translation actually says this a little differently. It says, through our yielded lives, He spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. You want to smell like Jesus? Yield your life. There is no smell quite like a yielded heart. Surrendered hearts smell so good. It's better than any home-baked apple pie, fresh-baked bread, Fresh-cut grass, my own personal favorite, especially when I'm not the one that had to mow it. 
no smell quite like that of a surrendered heart. And can I encourage you that Jesus still leads captives in these triumphal processions. Your surrender led to your victory. And the smell of His triumph in you is following you everywhere you go. It's the smell of victory. So when you walk past a group on the beach, you're like, man, they reek of Jesus. Oh, yes, that's His victory in me. I didn't say a word. I didn't do a thing. But what you're saying, seeing, is not just people having fun on the beach. You're smelling His victory in me. I've been led as a captive in His train. He has redeemed me. He has saved me. And through Him, I have victory. And you can smell it. You can taste it. You can feel it. It's not because you did anything right. It's because you surrendered your life to Him. And His victory in you gives off an aroma that the world, they need their nostrils filled with the aroma of God's victory in you. And the moment when you feel the weakest is the moment that His strength is made manifest the most. When we walk out in our own strength, we don't smell so great. Or not at all. When we surrender our lives, that aroma makes a difference. Why did Jesus choose this house in Bethany? I think it has something to do with what Mary did. Mary took this pint of pure nard. The Bible says that this perfume was worth probably a year's wages. Do you know how somebody like that just carries around something worth a year's wages? Some would say that that was likely Mary's dowry. It's her 4013B. It's her alimony paid in advance. You see, a woman had a dowry because in case her husband left her, she'd have something to fall back on. Because someone whose wife, or sorry, a, a woman whose husband has left her is the most powerless person in this society at the time. And so what you would have is a dowry that you would pay to the husband's family. So if the husband left you, the family would give you your dowry back so that you could live. This was her assurance that if my husband leaves, I'm going to be okay. And she takes that and she pours it out on his feet and cleans it with her hair. Mary is going, I don't need a plan B. I don't need a husband to fulfill my dreams. All I need is Jesus, and I have got absolutely everything that I need for this life and for the next one. Jesus, I'm all in. You have every last part of me. And this is the place where Jesus chooses to make his home. It's the place not only of sacrifice, it's a place of worship. It's a place of all in. You want God's glory to come about your life? I encourage you. Push your chips into the middle of the table. It's the best ROI you could ever possibly expect to get. Return on investment. And the Bible says the house was filled with the fragrance of this perfume. Surrendered hearts smell so good. It's probably a week later when Jesus was crucified. He finally goes to Jerusalem. He leaves this place of family into the city, and we know that he's crucified. They lay him down. 
this place called Golgotha, the place of the skull, where they would typically do these executions. There had been so many executions in this place, you can imagine what it smelled like. It smelled like death. They're going to the place of pain, to the place of death, that has that smell around it. And they're going to do to Jesus what they've done to so many other criminals leading up until that point. But when Jesus is led to this place of pain, when he's led to this place of death, that nard would have been so fragrant, it still would have carried with him on his way down the Via Della Rosa, up into the place of the skull. So as he's carrying his cross down the street, and everyone's looking at him thinking, look at that poor soul. I guess he should have done what everybody else said that he should have done. I guess he should have done everything his government told him to do. Look at that poor guy. And you would expect the smell of death to be following him. But as he breezes past them, they're thinking, what's that smell? It doesn't smell like defeat. It smells like the most beautiful thing I've ever smelled. What is that smell? It doesn't fit here. And you can imagine, as they laid him down on the cross, put the nails in his hand, but then the soldiers go to put the nails in his feet. And I can imagine the confusion on their face. What's that smell? It's not familiar in this place. This is the place of pain. Why am I smelling something so wonderful and so beautiful? And every time they drove a nail into his feet, it just released the smell of victory. It doesn't fit. And I'm telling you that every nail that the enemy goes to drive into your spirit, into your mind, into your family, if you are all in, if you are willing to give up your plan B's, if you're willing to follow him with everything that's in your heart and surrender, the nail that's meant to bring death only releases the smell of his victory in you. It's the place of victory. I can't stop every nail that the enemy has for me. I can't keep him from shooting arrows at me, but I can make sure that whatever he does against me is going to work out for good. I can make sure that when the enemy tries to hit me, the only thing that comes out is his victory in me. The only thing that oozes from me is worship. And in the place of pain, there will be worship and there will be victory. Every fall of the hammer meant to bring pain and death only brought confusion to the enemy. Oh, I can picture the enemy. I can picture these Roman soldiers so demonically influenced to carry out the enemy's plan. And I can picture the enemy seeing through these soldiers' eyes what was happening. And he's like, yep, here we go. I knew I was going to do this. You thought you had won. You may have gotten 12 disciples. You may have healed a few. You may have taught a couple of people. But in the end, I win. In the end, I got you on the cross. And you're going to die. And everything that you've just taught these people is going to die with you. It all ends here. And then as he drives in the nail, what's that smell? Is that... No. Wait a minute. Is that 
I know that smell. Is that worship? How, how do I smell worship? That's the thing I've been trying to get for thousands of years. Why is it in my victory you are being worshipped? This is my moment. This is when I'm supposed to get the victory. And yet the very thing that's meant to bring your defeat is bringing my defeat? You mean you're being worshipped at your moment of weakness? Because the enemy can't understand. That's not weakness. That sacrifice of Jesus is not weakness. The Bible says he could have called 10,000 angels down to take him off that cross. And I tell you what, strength is when you can do that, but you don't. Strength is often really exemplified in what you don't do more than what it is that you do. God's victory in Mary filled the place of death with victory. It filled it. It filled it. I'm telling you, the place of accusation, the place of pain, when the enemy says, you don't have what it takes. I'm like, I know. Look at what God's given me. I have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. The enemy goes, you don't belong here. I'm going, I know. Isn't it crazy? But I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I don't get it either. You can imagine every voice of the enemy, people at the table in Bethany, what are you doing here? I get what that guy's doing here, but what are you doing here? I mean, look at them. They've got a great gift. Of course, they're here. Hey, look at them. They must give a lot of money. That's why they're here. But why are you here? You don't belong here. And God goes, yeah. Because your surrendered heart becomes my home. And I want to make your heart my home. I'm about to show you what I'll do to make that possible. Jesus will always return to the place of worship. Jesus came back to Bethany time and time again. Like, he went into the temple, overturned the tables, got a whip and started whipping dudes. Like, threw out the money changers. Hey, calm, gentle Jesus, go read your Bible. Jesus made a whip and was whipping people. And then he comes back to Bethany. And he sits at the table. Could you imagine being at that table? You're like, No one wants to talk first. Does he still have the whip? <laughs> Jesus returns to the place of worship. I want to encourage you this morning. Don't have a plan B. I'd love to tell, I know there's scriptures that say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Just give it a shot. We'll see how it goes. It doesn't work like that. It's all, it's all or it's nothing. 
But when you're all in, when you're all in, and you worship with everything that you have, I'm not telling you you have to give all of your money away. Jesus only told one person that, not everybody. I'm not saying that you have to read your Bible 23 hours a day. I'm talking about your heart. God doesn't want what you can do. He wants your heart. He went all in for us, and he showed us this is what all in looks like. And when we go all in, we don't go to the cross. When we go all in, we pick up his salvation. That's what communion is a reminder of. I pick up his healing. I pick up his salvation. I pick up his deliverance of me. And we can walk into this life, and we can walk into dead places. We can walk into other people's Golgothas and bring the aroma of Christ. We can bring the smell of His victory in me. It's not my victory. It's His victory in me. And there's going to be people when we do that, they're going to go, what is that smell? I'm not surprised when somebody walks down the beach and I see the look. I also don't necessarily chase them down because I think it's funny. Because I know that that's what God does. Let his victory in you become the smell of victory everywhere you go. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you went all in for us. I pray, Lord, for the smell of victory in this camp. Let it rise. Lord, I pray that we would never look for something to fulfill our hearts that breaks your heart. No idol could ever fill your place. No other relationship can take the place that you should be having in our own lives. I pray that I never look for something to fulfill my heart that breaks yours. I thank you, Lord, that you are the husband who never leaves. You are the kinsman redeemer who doesn't hold back. You're the lover of our souls. Your word says that you will never leave us and never forsake us. Never, never, never. That when we are faithless, you remain faithful to us. You can't help it. It's who you are. I thank you, God, that we can return to you time and time again. Offer a sacrifice of praise. Let the Golgothas of our world be filled with the smell of your victory in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 